This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. This episode is brought to you by Visit Myrtle Beach. You know what's better than getting away to a beach? Getting together at the beach. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. They've got over 2,000 restaurants, live music playing all day and night, and endless attractions. This place was made for playing hard and beaching easy. Welcome to 60 Miles Where You Belong. The Beach, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Plan your trip at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Hello and welcome to episode 345 of the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk... Filmmaking. From indie film to studio films and... High-end TV and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them and how to try not to... Really F them up. In our very, very humble opinion. Today on the show, we have the director, Koki Gidroyce. She is the director of the brand new Take That musical, or based around the songs of Take That, Greatest Days. Koki is an absolute leading light. She's one of the leading British TV and film directors, and she's also an active mentor of young women in the film industry. And a lovely human being to boot. She is absolutely delightful. She has directed, and I'm just going to list some of these TV shows out for you. Murder Most Horrid, Silent Witness, William and Mary, Blackpool, The Virgin Queen, Oliver Twist, Wuthering Heights, Sherlock, The Nativity, The Hour, What Remains, Penny Dreadful, Reckless, Hemlock Grove, Gypsy, Good Behaviour, Harlot, and Save Me! That is just some of her TV credits. In film, um, she has directed Stella Does Tricks, Women Talking Dirty, How to Build a Girl, which was Caitlin Moran's brilliant book that was adapted for the film, which starred Beanie Feldstein and was produced by Monumental Lionsgate and Film 4. And she is the director of Greatest Days, the fantastic new musical. It's a feature adaptation of the band, which was a West End musical, and it features the songs of Take That. Oh, yes. We loved it, didn't we, Dom? We did. We did. It was uh, it was tremendous fun. And I extremely enjoyed the musical, and, and I enjoyed the whole thing, uh, really, very much. I thought it was, yes. a, it was just a fantastic film. And we do mention this at the start of the episode that myself and Dom might have got a little teary um, during the screening of this film, Greatest Days. Who does it star, Dom Lenoir? It stars... <laughs> Uh, Ashling B, Matthew McNulty, Alice Lowe, Emma Amos, fantastic upcoming talent, Lara McDonald, Jade Adams, Ziggy Heath, Mark Wooten, and wildly eccentric friend of ours, Lindsay Bennett Thompson. Absolutely. It is written by Tim Firth and it's produced by Jane Hooks, Kate Solomon, Carl Sporeri, Viviana Vizani and the fantastic Danny Perkins. Uh, Danny has produced Attack the Block, 71, Carol. Uh, he's just, just a really cool guy. And it is lensed by cinematographer Mike Ely. So what do we talk about on the podcast on what can our lovely listener learn? Our listeners will learn what it's like to shoot in a foreign country guiding new actors through the filming process, choreographing big set pieces and financing a big budget film outside of the studio system. They will also learn what it's like to build experience and learn the craft of TV directing, what it was like filming a musical and especially a Take That musical with amazing songs thrown into boot, what that was like. And also she gives you some amazing advice if you're breaking in as a filmmaker this was a lot of fun. Uh, we've also got some exciting games for our audience to audience to play. Ah, so yes. two games. Uh, the first game is uh, midway through the interview. Koki was delivered a cup of tea and cake. I managed to diagnose the cake by sight alone, 
um, which which I was quite impressed with myself for. Uh, Mid-interview. Everyone listening is impressed right now. Can you guess what the flavour of the cake was in advance? Uh, This is at the Soho Hotel. So um, we're talking about a fairly fancy cake. It's not going to be a a chocolate roll or something. It's going to be something good. (laughs) Chocolate roll! I love this. This is a game that you want to play. By the way, this was was filmed as well, so it will be on YouTube. So you will be able to see this. Yeah, you'll be able to see the cake. But for the podcast Mm. listeners great little game for you there is a second game though yeah Dom what is the second even better game you even might better say. game yes please be better the second game is how many take that song puns did I manage to put into the interview <laughs> uh, and it, it wasn't a short it wasn't a short number it, it was less than I'd anticipated but yes. I did put quite a few in make a little guess now a little mental note in your head of how many times Dom did a take that song pun right just think now in your head you know how many yeah. puns Dom likes to throw in anyway now imagine yeah. someone's egging him on a little bit <laughs> yeah. so just think now how many it is you, you, you might be wrong you might be wrong if you get the number right then you'll get myself and Giles to serenade you a take that song um, oh I like that could it be magic yes it could be, could be. started already yeah I, fu- I fucked that one up in the interview as well actually <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's one. You know there's one. <laughs> yeah, there is one. Yeah. Um, so apart from that, this uh, on Tuesday's episode, I said this would be next Tuesday's. And we were having part two of our Transformers special uh, with the director, Stephen Capel Jr. and the actors as well. But what we thought we'd do, because we really like this film and we want people to go watch it in the cinema this weekend, Greatest Days, we thought we'd do this one with Koki first as a Friday special uh, and then come back on Tuesday with part two of the Transformers. Transformers. So everyone's happy. Everyone's happy. Speaking of which, um, today myself and Dom sat down with another amazing director to talk about his quite incredible film and you will have no quarry with this one i tell you you would not you would say that our mission was complete today it was because it was mission impossible well yes but it was also christopher mccorrie yeah it was yes the director of the last two mission impossibles and the next two it's an hour chat we had with him i tell you what it is incredible that's coming up for you soon not telling you when just soon it's tremendous fun it really was it was a joy for us um and by the way i'm Giles alderson who are you dominant i don't think we introduced ourselves <laughs> they know who we are they know of course they do okay so what we're gonna do is play the trailer of greatest days so get ready for some take that in your ear no only one ear uh, well yeah i sometimes i only listen in one ear mm. reason then i can hear what else is going on around me especially if i'm on the tube or something uh, so i'm aware but also because Sometimes get earache, so mm. that's nice, isn't it? Good to know. I need some of those noise cancelling headphones. So if anyone out yes, there is, do, yeah. wants to sponsor me and give me some, then please. Yeah, I'm very available for some. So or we could get some for other people when you're around. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, this is my greatest day, and here is the director of Greatest Days, uh, Koki Gadrois. She will be coming up for you with myself and Dom, chatting about how she made this amazing movie after the trailer, because we're going to play that now. I'm sure after our preamble, you're ready to get ready for it. Oh my gosh. Was that your first take that? Does that count as a first take that part? I think it should count, yeah. I mean, what do you want from me? Oh no, that's two. Oh, stop it. We're on the bun. We're never gonna lose touch. Win tickets to see your favourite boy band reunite in Athens. Are you ready? I am ready. Today this could be. Are you screaming yet, Rachel O'Flynn? Big fan of you, Rachel. They're biggest fan of the whole entire world. Know who you're gonna take with you to see the boys? It's 25 years. Double trouble? <laughs> Where is Rachel? 
Here I am. You ladies are up front. I hear three of them are on Brinkford of all. They're not, are they? They will be when I get up there. <laughs> Just the four of you, yeah? We've come a long way, but we're not too sure where we've been. Tighten your bra straps, girls. Oh, I'm nervous and a bit sweaty. Let's do this! Good, how are nice you? Nice to meet you. We're rolling. Um, when the tea comes, we'll just... Can we slide it in? We can make a thing of it. We'll yeah. make a thing of it. We'll serve tea as, as part Please. of the episode. That's tea fine. is coming. Yeah. It's fine. Thank you. Oh We've God. done more outrageous I'm parched. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you two talk to each other a lot in this um, podcast. Yeah. Well, we try not yeah. to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but we do. We'll have fun. We have fun. Yeah, yeah, it's all that. First of all, thank you um, for chatting with us on the Filmmakers Podcast and welcome. Thank you for having me. It's brilliant. I'm really pleased to be here. It was a, it was a, a real surprise to us um, mm. because we were definitely holding back the tears though. <laughs> Take that joke there. Um, <laughs> but it, it was, it's been a long time since, since actually a, a film hit me that hard. Wow. Um, and really? especially going into a musical, it's not mm. what I immediately expect. Yeah, so it was a, mm. it was a real. It was an, you did another take that pun as well in there. Yeah, <laughs> I was the same, but I wasn't holding back. I was literally yeah, no, no, crying. Were yeah. you? And oh, I was good. literally trying to hide my tears from him. And then I looked across yeah. and saw him going the same. <laughs> yeah, like, both, oh, both of us with our, with our eyes, <laughs> pretending, but, cuffing. But, but, oh, I mean, I think it's good, I think it's really good. it's really impressive because mm. effectively it is a film about um, you know women growing up as friends yeah. and then grown up women. Mm. Um, yeah. Yet I found it incredibly relatable. Mm. Um, I hope that's what I hoped for and that's what I just really really wanted was that it would just kind of cut through you know whether you're a take that fan or not whether you're a young woman or a really old woman or any kind of person that you would sort of I mean it's just it's a universal story isn't it and it's about friendship and it's about um that moment in your life where you just feel immortal and young and anything is possible. Mm. And I just feel like anyone can relate to that and remember that. And people have come to me after seeing the film and they've sort of said, my God, I'm going to ring my friends that I've lost touch with. I'm going to do it right now. Yeah. I I was literally doing the same thing. Yeah. 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 Thinking about my best friend from school and thinking like, Oh, we've fallen out of touch. Mm -hmm. This this is the time to, I mean, that's that's an astonishing thing to get out of a film. Really? Yeah. yeah. It's t- I mean, it's the Tim Firth magic. Okay. You know? Yeah. He's he's an amazingly emotional writer and he's also incredibly kind of collaborative. So when I came on board, he just sort of welcomed me in and I had very strong feelings about what I wanted from the story, mm. you know. Take take the kind of music and the big set pieces and put them to one side. I just I just felt it had to stand as a really powerful story. Mm. And so he, the script was kind of pretty much based on his musical, the band, mm-hmm. and together we crafted it to make it really kind of like cinematic and hit the right beats at the right moments. And you telling me that you're moved by it is really, really, I mean, it makes me so happy because I, I never wanted it to be niche. I never wanted it to be just for the take thatters mm. or just for women or just for women of a certain age. I mean, I'm I'm too old for take that, you know, that was like after me. And I, I'm in. I'm like, I'm, I'm yeah. totally there now, mm-hmm. <laughs> having worked on it and seen the, you know, seen the project and seen them in concert. I'm just totally there. You're a fan now. Yeah. Um, did you see the musical, the band first? No. no. So, yeah. so they came to you, I suppose. They, whoever this elusive they is, yeah. came to you and sort of said, "Look, we want to turn this into a film." Was that when you first heard of the script? Yes, okay. and I, I could have seen it. Um, but I really didn't want to because I just sort of felt like I had to come in and really, you know, see it as a fresh thing right from zero, you know. Let's let's just kind of reinvent it in a way. 
and not be too um, beholden to the to the musical mm. in a funny sort of way. Mm. I've done adaptations a lot in my life, and it's almost like you have to have a kind of like brief conversation with the original material and then just move on. Sure. And how did you find the balance between... Because, I mean, the, the musical numbers and the fun side of it is like a 10 out of 10 for fun. It, it really yeah. doesn't hold back. It's, mm-hmm. it's completely in your face. It's really enjoyable. <laughs> and yet you're also balancing it with these very sort of touching, um, you know, portraits of grief, of, of, of friendship, um, yeah. you know, relationships. How, how do you find that balance in the script? Was that a difficult process? Was it difficult in the directing as well? So my my feeling is that you, you can never have the light without the shade. Um, I did a film before um, this one called How to Build a Girl, and I worked mm-hmm. with Catelyn Moran. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we used to have this, we used to have this ongoing, like, head-to-head, high noon argument where she'd go, I want it to be, I'm not going to swear on your podcast, but she'd go, I want it to be, Hilarious. You can swear. <laughs> <laughs> She'd say, I want it to be effing hilarious. And I'd go, yeah, but it's got to be heartbreaking. And she said, hilarious. i go, heartbreaking. And, and we sort of had this tussle. Mm. And to be honest, that is what I believe. I, I mean, I believe it's both. Mm. And in this, in Greatest Days, I feel like, you know, the, the laughs, <laughs> the laughs, are, they, they are good jokes. Um, and they kind of, create a sort of world where the sadness can kind of be tucked underneath that's what mm. I feel yeah mm. and you did it brilliantly how much work do you do with a writer at that stage on how to build a girl and on greatest days with Tim yeah. H- how much do you delve into are you you know is it really quite the two of you going at it like you said you did with the pinks and troughs there with Caitlin yeah. yeah was it the same with a lot of your stuff but certainly on this with Tim um uh though Kate Solomon was also involved she was um she was part of the pre- producing team um so it was the three of us and we would dig right in i mean it became about you know words and punctuation it's weird how it gets like that at the beginning it's kind of the big broad brushstrokes and it's like love 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 and all that kind of thing (laughs) and then you know you start digging into the scenes Mm -hmm. and you kind of go so would that character you know would that character say that at that point or how would they say it or wouldn't one of the other friends say it wouldn't the other ones know that she'd think that. You know, it's really, yeah. it's really forensic. Mm-hmm. And actually, when you take the songs out, the story is quite lean. There's mm. not a huge amount of story. Mm-hmm. So it has to absolutely hit. Mm. It, has to be, it has to be meaningful. Mm. And it's really amazing. I, I showed it um, this week in Clitheroe. We went back to Clitheroe to thank the town for welcoming us. Yeah. And um, I sat next to this kind of... Um, this old geezer who'd come accompanied his wife and he was not like he was he was there supportive mm-hmm. but he's not going to be that interested in the film and I could literally feel when the story dropped with him and he just relaxed and he was like you guys by the end he had his finger there so amazing <laughs> to feel the power of the, the where the story hit you know and, mm. and, and, and like the satisfaction of that is amazing do you, do you think, I mean, you talked about contrast, and I, I completely agree. I think if a film is one note sad, you don't get sad at all, actually. You need no. to be along, the, 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 yeah. the comedy is is a mask for, for the sadness yeah. a lot of yeah. the time. Also, there's a contrast. You didn't You didn't go into the characters to be entirely positive in their relationships with each other, which is both very true and also very relatable. How much did you work with those actors to develop their characters to be very three-dimensional and, and have a mixture of sort of positive and negative traits? That's really interesting. I mean, um, Ashling, we'll start with Ashling. She's, she's amazing and she's a writer mm. and a comedian, you know. And so she came in with some really good suggestions um, and really strong feelings about how things should work. So with her, it was... It was about kind of folding in her ideas. Sometimes, you know, she'd have like, oh, I'm Irish. The syntax wouldn't be like that. I wouldn't say it like that. I'd, I'd phrase it a different way or the joke would be back to front or something. Mm-hmm. She, was, she was very, very kind of technical. With the young girls, they were pretty much all brand new. Um, we did a massive open call for mm-hmm. casting. And, um, and you know, they, they, needed, they needed much more kind of guidance. And mm-hmm. so... For the three dimensionality with them, I would, I would actually just jump in often while we were filming because they, 
you know, if they don't have all the techniques mm. of training, it's me catching it instinctively. So I would sometimes jump in and it's weird. I have different, I have different ways of working with different actors, but I would, I would sort of provoke a response or I would kind of suggest something that would throw them off a little bit so that they would, you know, mm. feel unsettled in a moment. You know, it's, it's, it's weird. So mm. that was very in- instinctive. With Ashling, it was really forensic and really kind of technical. Mm. Um, it just depended. The boys, the, the five boys, they were amazing because they were dancers. So with them, it was oh. kind of like, how do we find your characters through physicality, mm. you know? But I did love... I did love this idea that you got to know the flaws of the characters and mm. you got to see that actually, you know, no one is just perfect mm. and no one is squeaky clean and everyone has kind of doubts and worries and like agenda. You know what I mean? It was, it was, it's, it was cleverly crafted that way. Mm. And in that, do you, when you're first setting out on that journey and you have now just cast the girls and the boys, are you now, okay, let's talk about individual characters. Let's go through that, that rehearsal time, I suppose. It's so precious yeah. and that we often don't get. Yeah. And it gets thrown, right, we're in Greece. You come down, you know, and sometimes, yeah. oh, no, no, but what does that mean? What does that, and you, sometimes the rehearsal time is perfect for doing that. Yeah. Do you like to develop in that time? Do you like to talk to the actors then? Yeah. Talk us through your process of, before you get to set, of how it works for you with the camera team but also with the actors as well so um in film and television particularly you know you don't get a hell of a lot of rehearsal time Mm -hmm. um but the joy of this was that it's a musical so I had a lot of rehearsal time for the song and dance routines so weirdly I had loads and loads of time with all the performers Mm. um not all of it sitting talking about what your role is and your backstory but being with them seeing their physicality, seeing how they made each other laugh, kind of who was the funny one in the group, who was the leader, who was the kind of slightly serious one, mm. who did their homework, who didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, it was really, it was like we had weeks and weeks of that. And I would sit there quite often in, in the kind of dance rehearsals and I would just watch them and sort of see how these groups were forming. And that was really amazing and really, really kind of useful. Mm. Um, I would then have time sitting in a room and it would be talking mainly. It would, I don't really get the scenes up in rehearsal. I just, I love that time for, you know, gaining trust and mm. kind of finding a way to kind of fold them in, make them feel comfortable asking me anything. It, you know, it's a, it goes such a long way because when you're really, really slamming it on set... If they trust you and they feel comfortable with you, sometimes it can just be a look mm. or a, I don't know, a shrug or something, and you know what that person's feeling. Mm. I'm very kind of like close and hands-on with the actors. I, lo- I love actors. Mm. I'm in awe of them, actually. Mm. And, they, and they are, you know, they're everything for me. They, they're carrying the film. I mean, they're yeah. like... Yes. How do you deal with it when it, it's an issue, when there might be a, a problem arise? When it's difficult between the, you know, everything's going great when it's great. What happens with when it doesn't? And there's that jarring between the two. Um, How do you find those moments and what do you do to overcome them? um, I'm quite an old bird and I've been doing it a long time. And I've raised three kids. And so (laughs) I suppose what I do is I sort of, I kind of dig deep into, you know, how I am with my family, how I am around people I love and how, you know, because when you're on a film, you all become really close and it becomes a very, very sort of tight-knit band. And so um, I literally, I can be firm, I can be quite strict at times. You know, we had a little couple of moments between the girls uh, where things got a little bit, you know, testy. Mm -hmm. So I'd go in and I I would just, I don't know, I suppose... a little bit of patience? Yes. <laughs> I've got a hundred. I'm, I'm being really restrained. <laughs> I'd go. I'd sort of go. Um, it's fine to have your. It's fine to have your little moment. But now, park it to mm. one side. Come in. Pull your big girl pants on and get on with the scene. You know. I mean, it's literally. It can be that, okay. or it can be come to one side and we'll chat things through and 
calm mm. things down. Was it a challenge shooting abroad? Uh, I mean, I, I found when you go abroad, there's a sort of there's another level of pressure because it's, a, it's an alien world. Um, it's different crews that you're used to. It's different sort of systems. Uh, even the catering or the yeah. you know the crew services work in, in different ways. But at the same time, you have this magic because you've all transported yourself to somewhere else. Yeah. It really is a journey for both the actors and the crew and yourself. How, how was that experience of, of shooting abroad? Was it something you just took in your stride or did it really help everyone? Um, Greece was amazing. I mean, it was boiling hot for a start, which mm. is, I love. Not everyone loved, but I loved it. Um, it was boiling hot and the crew were really, really on it. So that was brilliant. That was a tick. Mm. One thing about filming abroad, especially with a bunch of young gorgeous young people is that everyone gets a bit giddy and they start like clubbing partying going out they mm-hmm. they didn't misbehave my lot but it was sort of like slightly wrangling yes wrangling and holding the energies and keeping it real and keeping it about the work and um that was that was interesting <laughs> they did have a great time honestly but, you know it was like a massive deal for all of them mm. and it's sort of i guess it goes to your head a little bit, but they were amazing. They were all completely brilliant and worked like absolute Trojans, all of them. Mm-hmm. Big work ethic among dancers and the yeah. young you the have youngins. To, you have to sort of, um, yeah, bring them on your side and go, look, we know you want to have fun and do your thing, but at the yes. same time, this your face is going to be on screen yeah. forever in yeah. this scene. Good, good so, clean fun and good, in bed by fun. 10. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, exactly. Look, look after yeah. yourself as well because we need you for the scenes tomorrow. And, yes, I know. But they get giddy and excited because I they know. think they can burn the candle at both ends, which you do at a young age as well and old age. Is what you they're think. all young. Yeah, <laughs> they're all young and there's pretty Foot people loose. around and yeah, footloose and fancy free, which can be difficult. But you just need to manage it brilliantly and like say, me and Dom really love this film. I think it's absolutely fantastic oh, and deserves you. all its success, which I hope comes its way. We were talking there a little bit about, you know, working with actors on that side of it. What about crew then? Um, in, in Greece? Not just in Greece, but in general. How do you like to work with your uh, DPs and your wonderful crew? You've got a oh, cup of tea. Is that, is that a pistachio kind of rose yes, cake? Yes. It looks like it. Oh. Oh, do you mind me having that? No, of course, please. I'm Go ahead. Sorry. I'm, I'm just yeah. excited by the cake. It looks yeah. Do you want to have some? No, no. no. <laughs> Dom loves I'm just cake. A, I'm just a cake enthusiast. He I, really and is. I, and I, I feel like I'm good at diagnosing what a cake is. I can pay Dom in cake sometimes. You can, Dom, yeah. have Lots. some, Many, please. No, no, no. It's okay. Try it. <laughs> Men in cake. Thank you. Anything goes on the, the Filmmakers Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, crews. Yeah, yes. working with your DP on set. How is that relationship different to actors for you? Um. Well, I just, I'm just kind of in awe of the, all all the creatives around me, and I, mm. my thing is just always to, kind of try and unlock the thing in them that's going to make them blossom, mm. you know, because that's what what filmmaking is. It's just totally that. It's about, it's about everybody being at their full on best and pointing in the same direction. And, and my job is to, kind of make sure we're all pointing the same way. But not not kind of squish anyone down and control anyone. You know, I'm I'm just not interested in that kind of work. I I I really love it when people kind of offer things or disagree with me or bring in a whole new angle on something. You know, my designer Amanda um, is a very strong woman, and she's Kiwi, and she just does not suffer fools. She's very blunt. And she'll just tell me, you know, gives it to me both barrels. And, you know, we had this whole thing around the sequence in the magic bus. Do you remember? Yeah, really liked yeah, yeah. it. I love the bus. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. bus. Um, so originally it was going to be, you know, a massive kind of CGI number. Oh. And it was going to be a bus that actually exploded and morphed wow. into a chariot. And it was going to be surrounded by other chariots. Got you. Yeah. And be bowling down the motorway with you know with kind of all this bells and whistles and as as the budget as the budget became real Mm -hmm. we had to kind of redesign it and rethink it and so it started as a bus that sort of semi-morphed and then it started as a bus that you know would have some things flying out of it and some explosions and in the end (laughs) in the end she just broke it to me she said listen i can give you two sides three sides of the bus 
right. and a few poles. <laughs> and I said, can you up poles to the seats? And she said, yes, I can do that. And that right. was it. No front of the bus, no moving, no, no motorway. Wow. And so it was literally kind of reinvent, reimagine, mm-hmm. kind of turn this dance into something fantastical. Mm-hmm. So I dug deep. And I remembered going to see Magic Mike when I was, <laughs> the, the musical, when I was kind of prepping for this. Sure. And I thought, let's just go pole dance. Let's just get the boys mm-hmm. in some amazing leather outfits. That sounds fun yeah, next door. They've got Magic Mike next door. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's happening. He's gyrating right now. <laughs> what would be worse is if they can't hear this. He's doing yeah. such a great job on the sound. We'll, They're like, we'll, what are they talking about? I have to add on. We'll, we'll ADR. <laughs> ADR. Then we'll do it. Magic Mike. I thought it was one of the most... Um, yeah. I, one of the most seamless transitions, actually, in the whole film. It's like fabulous, when it when it? it happened, I was like, oh, "How's it doing that?" Like, yeah. oh, you know, because it was it, the way the lights sort of came on and it became neon. Then suddenly, it's like, oh, okay, now we're in a sort of a, a sound stage and it's opening up into a stage. But it mm-hmm. was it was done in such it was almost like story beats that just lured you in, I'm and so it was glad it, did, it, it was very successful. It was classic. Sure. And those, yes, I just to let our listeners know for those, it just, the bus did open up. Yes, uh, not no spoilers or anything here, of course. But uh, yeah, and then the fact that that became the sort of stage to play in, and I thought, like you say, sometimes when there's major problems on a set you find brilliant answers because of it. And now it's like a huge set piece in the movie. Yeah, and yeah. I'm sure you're very proud of it, but how fantastic. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And, and it was kind of like, in a funny way, it was like the most satisfying of the song and dance routines because mm. we'd struggled so hard. Mm. And, you know, right to the end in post when I was deciding on, you know, I just didn't want too much CGI. I just didn't want too many effects in this film. I wanted it to be really lo-fi mm-hmm. and really kind of fun and funny. And I wanted people to feel like you felt, oh, oh, right, that's what we're doing. Okay, you know, yeah. hey, the sides yeah. are swinging out. Yes. Yeah. And here we are, yeah. you know. And that was it. We were laughing yeah. so much. Well, it and it was yeah. a press screening. And obviously they're often very stiff press screens they don't want to they don't want to yeah. let you know how they feel just in case they give it a bad review and we'll go, yeah. but you were laughing for the whole thing. but me and Dom don't care because we like talking to filmmakers yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. what it's about so we were laughing our heads off having mm. a great time giggling away <laughs> you good, know good. the bus conductor being one of the great moments as I well know. you know so much fun yeah, yeah and, and I think it, it you know it just adds because they're having such a time of their life and because you did go so full in it really does cement the characters so well yeah it's kind of it's just there it's their inner life isn't it Mm. manifested that's the thing it's their I think that's exactly what it is it's their kind of like the magic realism is just what's in them and it just needs a little trigger and out it pops Mm -hmm. and it comes out in different ways different shapes colours sizes Mm. Different kind of madcap things. Yeah, a bit yeah. of magic. Yes. Could it be magic? Though, could it be magic? Thing. Damn it, you failed. Good um, job. <laughs> so, um, so in terms of what you, what was in the script versus what you shot versus what you edited, was it roughly the same? Like, were you like pretty precise mm. in terms of how it looked on paper versus how it kind of ended up? Were there many notes as you sort of got into the edit? Like, can you talk about that? Maybe pick up days? Yeah. Well, I storyboard everything myself, so I draw it all. Oh. Yeah. Oh, cool. Have you got good at drawing? Because I'm still terrible at mine. Like, it's literally stick figures. Are you, is it one thing that you've... Um, I, could, I could draw anyway. Oh, okay. But good. not brilliantly. Right. I draw... Um, it comes out like a sort of weird graphic novel. Wow. So, it, no, that sounds oh, okay. better than it is. Seriously, <laughs> it's, I get the... You know, you get the the sort of rectangles on a sheet which mm-hmm. is your fr- your frames yes. and I start like in the frame and as I get excited they burst out and characters are just kind of like jumping out of the frame or a close-up is too big for a frame and it's my way weirdly of kind of getting the feeling of the scenes mm-hmm. and and what's happening so if if I've got kind of characters dancing down the side of the storyboard I just remember, I remember that that's going to last longer and that's going to mean something a little bit different. Mm. And if something's contained in the frame, it's formal and it's choreographed. And you know what I mean? It's, it was, it's just a free way. It's a free form way of me prepping. Mm-hmm. And it's the worst bit of the whole process because it's so hard. Mm-hmm. It's so hard to sit there with a blank page and mm-hmm. just... Oh, because you could do anything at that point. Yeah. It could be a close, it could be a wide, it could be a tracking shot. You, yeah. It's like your imagination at that point yeah. is, it could it's be anything. Totally. Yeah. And 
And, um, and I sit and I sweat, basically, for two weeks. It was about two weeks on this film. And um, dreaded every day, you know, get up in the morning and go, oh. But actually, it's where I have all my good ideas. It's definitely where I have all the kind of, the, bi- the big ideas, really. Um, so, so I've drawn it. And as I go along and as the process goes on and things change and locations might change or the budget might shrink or, you know, you cast it differently or something, mm-hmm. I've always got this, this kind of graphic novel version of the film, which is my, my go-to. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. It, once I'm really tired on set and it's like 11 o'clock at night mm-hmm. and I'm halfway through and we're out of kind of co- chronological order and everyone's knackered and they turn to me and they go, well, what are we doing? I have this thing, which is like when I was calm and quiet and sitting on my own, that's what I thought about this scene. It's incredibly helpful. And so on a big film like this, um, which I shot in seven weeks, by the way, which is pretty lean. Yes. um, On a big film like this, I had to really, really prep hard. I had to know, I had to know absolutely where I was going all the time and how I could shorten things, how I could navigate things mm. you know if if this kind of setup didn't work i'd have to know that i could do it in a one mm-hmm. or cut part of it you know mm. all of that. yeah all those cheats that you yeah. need as a filmmaker yeah. to know because yeah like you say otherwise you go well i need to stick to my rule but actually suddenly you you've can't. got you can't. you can't you've got five minutes no and the, yeah. and the prep makes you free because mm. when i know i've prepped i know i can do what you're saying i can just mm. you know be inventive on the spot Yes. Um, This episode is brought to you by Visit Myrtle Beach. You know what's better than getting away to a beach? Getting together at the beach. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. They've got over 2,000 restaurants, live music playing all day and night, and endless attractions. This place was made for playing hard and beaching easy. Welcome to 60 Miles Where You Belong. The Beach, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Plan your trip at visitmyrtlebeach.com. This episode is brought to you by Smart Food Popcorn. Some decisions aren't the best, like skipping ahead in your favorite podcast. Think of all the banter you'll miss, the lore in the making. Luckily, Smart Food Popcorn is a no-brainer. Deliciously tasty and available in a variety of fun flavors. It's a smart decision every time. Smart Food. Add smart. To learn more, visit smartfood.com. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Did you, did you feel like you had to be very flexible to support the kind of up-and-coming actors, especially, and, and allow them freedom? So if, if the camera was feeling rigid for what they wanted to do, you'd change the, the camera? Like, how, how do you kind of find that balance? Was there much you needed to sort of alter in terms we of cinematography? Ne- we never... I mean, the way I work, I don't actually... Um, I don't actually kind of force the actors to do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, unless I'm deep in a scene and we've already set a lot of kind of you know, things in place. So, so um, Mike Ely, amazing DOP, he and I um, will talk about a kind of journey that we want for a scene or for a group of scenes. Then I'll bring the actors in and we'll block it together. And Mike will then kind of adjust how, how he thinks he, sh- he should shoot it and I adjust how I think those two things should meet. I try not to, I try not to sort of, especially with the young actors and dancers, I try not to be too prescriptive. I mean, that, you know, that doesn't always work, obviously. Mm. Something like Shine, the big Busby Barkley one, mm. we had, because of where the light was and the sun was going down, we had to, we had to put the, the tracks in one place. Right. But I like to be freer than that, really, mm. to, keep, to keep a sense of, like, fluidity and a sense of the actors being, being able to 
change their minds. Mm. Yeah, that freedom is so important. Like I say you do your homework yeah. and you've prepped everything, then you can go, okay, well, actually, this might work better. But then yeah. you've got your backups. Did yeah. you, interestingly, on your storyboards, did you show them to anyone else? Yeah, I always do. Oh, you always do. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then and they always go, Koki, amazing, yeah. brilliant. And they just look at them. <laughs> what does it mean? Yeah, yeah. Right? How is that? Is that a close-up? Is yeah, that no, bursting through 3D? Yeah, yeah literally. So yeah. It, it's very interesting, the people that, you know, kind of like mm. actually decode them. Mm. Amanda's used to them now, my right. designer. And my, and my um, script supervisor, who I've worked with for 15 years, and <laughs> she knows what they mean. Oh, so do you do, you, do you do a lot of collaboration sort of ongoing? Like mm. how, how much of your crew do you like to look for fresh kind of talent and how much do you like to stick with the same kind of people? Um, I like mostly to work with new people because I really love it. And so I'd never worked with Mike before. Mm. And I, that was just an amazing experience. He's just wonderful, wonderful guy. Um, very, very, very um, beautiful lighting and very creative, mm. but also incredibly efficient and quick, which is what we needed. Um, but then there, there are a couple that um, non my supervisor, my script soup. She, I'll always try and work with her because she's, she just knows me and understands me. And I, I do need someone on the set because being a director is quite lonely in, in a mm. weird way. You know, you're just like a solo bod. Everyone's got their teams and their gangs, mm. and actually, it's quite kind of solitary. Mm. And so she is my pal. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. a DP in the first can be your pals, but they've got other groups to pal yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. They've, they've got, got their teams and you're kind of going, hey, anyone? Yeah, yeah. anyone? Yeah. Camera team is always pretty tight. Camera yeah. teams are tight. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. How do you navigate that world? You know, you've, you've, like I said, you've been doing this a long time. Yeah. How was it when you first started? Um, scary, scary. I mean, it was the 80s and there were very few female directors. And, I mean, seriously, very few, three, four. Mm -hmm. And um, <laughs> I left film school and I shaved my head and I wore a suit. Wow. And I thought, that's how I'm going to do it. I'm just going to de-sex myself. Did, did it work? <laughs> kind of did. Yeah, I'm here. Yes, yeah. yeah. It was weird. It was, and I just didn't, I sort of, from that moment, I just never really kind of thought of myself as gendered. You know, it's it, it, it's it's funny saying that sitting here, kind of like all dolled up for the premiere and everything. But but like on set, I am just a director. Yeah, and I I just exactly just that, and I just guess I never I never had any real problems. I'm so happy to say, you know, I was never horribly treated or mistreated. It's, it's been an amazing journey. It's very hard though to hold my hold my own mm. so, so how, how did you break in like in terms of getting your first kind of directing jobs or first jobs in the film industry in general like how, how did that process so from, work from uni I went to film school but yeah. it was just one year because that's all I could afford mm. so it's a one year intensive and I came out <laughs> and I thought I figured to myself I'm not going to work my way up I'm not going to do anything other than directing and it was purely total naivety I had no idea none of my family were in show business then <laughs> um, uh, didn't know how it worked so I thought oh, I'm just going to be a director so what I did is I got a job in the West End and I was the back end of a crocodile in a in a show uh -huh. I've done that too have you yeah or the back end or the front end? I was both so <laughs> oh! I was lucky it was but it's the costume yes so you, you were the oh, back weird. end, yes. that's oh, weird. Why end. you needed wow. two ends? I'm like, yeah. that's amazing. <laughs> I've never met anyone that's done it before, really? and that was where, where I, Peter I, Pan, I said, my one, but yeah. yeah, Peter Pan. Peter Pan. Oh, yes. yeah, well. yeah, yeah. Imagine if it was the same one. Yeah, with different ends of the crocodile. But so I hid in that job, literally, uh, literally, mm, yeah. yeah, literally, yeah. and for about a year, and just went for kind of like pitched myself for like interviews, and. Me and my friend got a short film on Thames Television and that's how we started. It was just a little short that he produced and I directed. And it was in the era when they a lot of short films could be shown on different channels. It was brilliant, actually. Mm. So I became the queen of the shorts. I did about 10 wow. for, for Channel 4, Thames TV, never for the BBC. And it just grew from then. Right. And then I did loads of documentary stuff and arts programming and... And sort of 
moved away from drama and then came back to it much later. Mm. Were, were, were they paying for those shorts at the time? Was Not it... really. No. no. Oh, no, I was always having a side hustle. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah somewhere say, it else. Never, <laughs> else it never stops. waitressing <laughs> <and> down <laughs> yeah. in those days. Whatever you can do to yes. get by. That's a really interesting journey because you've done so much amazing TV as well in your oh, time. It's been Incredible. A Save long Me was fantastic. Oh, I know. I know. I, was, I, but I just came in on the coattails of that. I was lucky. I did the finale. Yeah. I was such a fan. But the finale was amazing. Thank you. It was amazing. We won the BAFTA. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but they deserved it because it was great. Did that help all the TV stuff? Because, again, it's a different cycle too than, you know, um, with the girl movie and Greatest Days. Yeah. Because it is a different, it's the same medium, but it's kind of different. Yeah, it is different. Talk mm. us through that and how Definitely. you managed to... And navigate the two. Yeah, it's so different. I love television. Mm. I'm such a fan of TV. I just think it's incre- an incredible art form. And what it is for me is that I, I slot into a machine. And also, by the way, in the UK, it is the industry, mm-hmm. isn't it? I mm-hmm. mean, yep. it's phenomenal. Yep. So I slot in, I get paid. I, jobs are good. And the, <laughs> yeah. the TX date is planned. Yep. I gather all my folk. Off we go. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. Film is a just a Don't wild... get paid. <laughs> <laughs> There's no end date. <laughs> Might not get Literally, made. Yeah. It's a wild beast, a mm. film. It just roams around. It kind of growls around the place. Sometimes it's there. Sometimes it just wanders off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my God. And on this film, we just we had to navigate the whole pandemic because we were heading into production in March 2020. Huh. Wow. And so we just had tons and tons of stopping, starting, stopping, starting casting regrouping oh my gosh it was and i but i just always felt with greatest days i just felt it had to be made it was really weird mm. and a couple of other films came my way and sort of went off mm-hmm. and it just it just it just stayed mm. it had to be made and what was the what was the process in terms of the actually making this like the the financing the who you needed for the cast, those kinds of questions. Was mm. it was it always quite straightforward? You were, okay, here's the director, we like you for this, let's make it. There was money in place, or was it a much more complicated? It, uh, there was money in place um, in going into March 2020, and then the whole cinema industry mm. imploded. Mm-hmm. And so we had to completely reshape the financing. And the financing was always there for Take That. But it was a question, really, of then, you know, how much how much we could make it for and how much more we could bring in. And you'd have to ask Danny about the intricacies mm. of how the finance yeah. came together. Mm. Amazing was, producer, right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, amazing guy. And he pieced it together, oh, my mm. God, by the end of his fingernails. Because it's like this film is an independent film with no studio, no streamer. They're, it's a rare breed now. Mm, very. A film of this size, mm. you know what I mean? It was, yeah. it was kind of like hard to hold our nerve. And in the end, it was um, some Swiss financiers came in just with a final kind of like hard equity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. And, and but and Amazon were great. They, they came on board as well. Okay, mm-hmm. And they promised us um, a really good cinema window. So we've got this brilliant cinema release for it. Mm-hmm. And then it'll go on to Amazon. Amazing. On that, then, when you're pitching in mm-hmm. those rooms, have you got better at pitching is there anything that you have learned that works for you or doesn't any little Uh, tricks in terms of you know especially on the greatest days and maybe you're going in with the finances you're going in with amazon so how do you how do you play those that's a good question um i've got i've got better at just being myself Mm. weirdly um i think in in the early days shaving head wearing a suit Mm. i sort of felt i had to be somebody and be a persona and had to sort of sell something and I over I over prepared for interviews and pitches and then actually I remember what it was I went on a little workshop with Mike Figgis this brilliant director oh, Mike Figgis, yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah and he gave a little master class in pitching and I think it was him who said to me just trust trust that they want you trust that as you go into the room they actually want it to be you you don't have to fight so hard and that was a brilliant piece of advice, actually. I mentor a lot now, and I have a lot of, you know, young filmmakers who I help, try and help. And I, that's one piece of advice I think that's, that's quite useful because often the nerves can kind of charge in before you. Yes. 
Yeah. I had some disastrous, disastrous pitches in the early days. What, yeah. what went wrong? Yeah. <sighs> I mean, is, is it a couple it of working just... title meetings? Oh, wow. <laughs> they were interesting. <laughs> oh, it was just fear. It was just yeah. the fear and nerves went, was what went wrong. And I just, I suppose, I the mind was racing. You know that thing, and mm. you and you're not able to actually say the thing you mean. You... And I think that was what it was. And I would sort of start saying something, and then not know how to backpedal and say what I really meant. And, yeah, you know. or, or over-explaining. I, I feel like that's yeah. that's one of the biggest mistakes is people, they'll, they'll just talk the story that, yeah. and, and mm. you'll, you'll give the story in like a minute or two and that's great and then they'll just keep going and then you see the attention just like slowly yeah. waning yeah. and like yeah. going down and it, you're actually selling them off the project mm. because yeah. you've left that kind of wanting them more, mm. it, it, you know, it's gone. I yes. bet it's nerves. I yeah. bet I it so. is, yeah. honestly, because it's the sort of turbocharged adrenaline um, and over prepping. Well, I think it's, I think it's a very in, intimidating situation, isn't it? Mm, I mean, it's, I guess it's the same for actors when they go in for auditions. Yeah. But you know, you've got this kind of often it's a very formal board like boardroom like sort of table. Mm. Three people who yeah. who maybe have had a long day. Oh. You you sort of walk, waltz in, and you're like this sort of single entity who has to then suddenly fit in and feel comfortable. I know. Um, I oh, mean, did, man. Do, do you feel like just by doing it over and over again, you that that got rid of those nerves? Yes, and also, um, I think it's kind of like it's it's not overthinking it. Actually, you know, I used to think that I'd have to have an answer for everything and just you know almost prepare lines that I would say mm. and things that I would say, and actually. I found I found I found lockdown really difficult. I found Zoom calls really difficult mm. because actually it it became artificial. Yes, and I think that's what I'm talking about. I think mm. I used to do that if I was pitching. It would it was an artificial version of me, and when I started to relax a little bit more, it came with confidence. Actually, I could just go in and explain exactly what I felt. I went for a chat about a film recently, and I honestly think I completely put them off because I was too honest. Oh. But that's good mm. because I, I I shouldn't make a film if if I'm not thinking this, this, mm. the same thing as them. You know what I mean? Absolutely right. And I think that's where filmmakers can fall down is you're trying to fit into a box what yes, they want, but actually yes. you're not going to make that film. Yes. So therefore, later it's going to be a major problem. Yeah. Whereas let's get these problems out of the way now. If it's not for each other, no problem. Yeah. But we work so hard to get mm. those opportunities yeah. that then you go, God, this is an opportunity. I've got to make yeah, the rest yeah, of it. Yeah. But actually, it's not always the right fit. Yeah, it's not always mm-hmm. the right fit. And, and it's so much better to sit in your own space and, yeah. you know, feel confident that that's what, where you are and what and what you're doing. I mean, you know, it's navigating the edit of, of Greatest Days was was not straightforward, and um, and it's it's holding your nerve. Was there a lot of sort of Amazon notes, you know, or thoughts, or it from was, the producing side? It was from the producing side, and it was it was you know, honestly, some really good notes as well. So I'm I'm good at spotting a good one, but because it's going to make the film better, yeah, you know, absolutely. it's like Tim Firth. Tim, who loves this film, is so proud of it. I mean, he he says, you know, blimey, if someone can give me a good idea, I'm having it. Mm-hmm. Um, so in in the edit process, I love a, a really good note, and I'm good at listening to them. But but you have to hold your nerve because it's amazing how many small incremental things can just just change a film completely. You know, you know, guys. Mm-hmm. It just falls through your fingers, little by little, tiny note by tiny note, and you're kind of like, "Where's the film gone?" Mm-hmm. Especially in the script stage as well, actually. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Just, just, oh, maybe we can just change this and this, yeah. and then over months, it's like, "Oh, hang on, this has just become something that I didn't want to make yeah. in the first place." Yeah, mm-hmm. totally, totally, totally. What, what, what are some of the most sort of challenging moments of your career? Maybe, maybe where you thought, "Okay, I'm not sure I'm going to make this, or I'm not going to achieve this goal." Like, were there any moments like that? Greatest Days. Greatest Days was originally kind of 11-week shoot, Mm. um, and that was tight. Mm. So going down to seven weeks was was honestly um, really challenging Mm. because I didn't want to compromise on the ambition of it, and we didn't drop a single song, and we didn't drop a single dance routine. We just held them all in place. And we shot the finale in under a day, the whole thing, you know, wow. so it's stuff like that. I mean, this, so I guess it's because that's recent history. It, I, it feels like that was the biggest challenge. Yeah. 
But when I called cut, I just fell on the floor. Mm. The final cut, the final rap. Yeah. I just fell down because I just was like, oh, my God. How did we do it? How what have I got it? as yeah. well? You don't know. Because you're like, did I get all yeah, the coverage? Yeah, yeah. Will it work we, here? Did... Are we missing anything? Yes, are we yeah. missing anything? Yeah. Did you do pickups? Did you have a chance to go back and at least do a couple? No, nothing. <gasps> You've done so well. That's incredible. Seriously. Oh, wow. But it is partly, it's, I don't want to pull the gender thing, but as a young female director in the 80s, you couldn't fail. That was the thing. You just had to be really, really good. Mm. And I learned then to just prep to oblivion so that I just never... I'm a bit more relaxed now. Thank so God. Just don't fail. <laughs> <laughs> just try Never not to do anything wrong. <laughs> there's no room for wrong. Yeah, no, there's no room for wrong. Which is, <laughs> yeah, I, I can't imagine like putting this from 17 to, to Kate coming down to yeah. 11 to 7. And yeah. it just that feeling again is just really difficult and then you've just got to keep cutting corners and i think mm. you just need a bit of time you need a bit of patience yes. Yeah. yes and it's cutting those it's like you're, you're you know you set up for this huge store and you go we're gonna make this film and it just cuts away mm. at you and you're the director the one that gets chipped at the most yeah. so you're the tree that falls down at the end onto your knees yeah. and, and finally then because this has been amazing thank you so much oh, for your time thank for, you. for, for that bit of advice someone starting out then, mm. as a director mm. as a producer yeah what would you now say, looking back, would you potentially do differently to help them? Oh, I would say, you know, um, for a start, keep knocking on the door. Because um, when I was at uni, I wasn't even at film school. I knew that I'd done the wrong thing and I should have gone to art school or whatever. And I knew I'd made a mistake. And so I went down and tried to join the film society. And there was a bunch of biochemists who ran the film society. Wow like with a ring of steel around it I don't know why <laughs> and I just I just kept going back and like banging on the door and in the end they were so fed up with this middle class <laughs> female person <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> knocking on the door demanding to kind of like have a go mm. they let me in and and we became really good friends and had an amazing time and honestly that combined with the prepping you know, just don't ever wing at anything. Mm. That's what I say to all my mentees, you know. And when they come and they shadow me and they come on set, um, I, I give them homework and I I'm, sometimes let them direct scenes in Save Me. My mentee directed a scene. Amazing. She just was freaked. I said, right, your turn. Put the headphones on her. <laughs> Off you go. To direct Lenny James. Fantastic. I know. And she's now working. Mm. You know, wow. you, 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 you've yeah. just got to gotta just gotta do the work and graft and not take no sounds a cliche but it is it does work there we go well this has been one of our greatest days oh so, we, really, we really enjoyed the movie yeah so really, really enjoyed the movie thank you so much thank you thank you it's lovely to meet you both thanks thank have you. an amazing premiere yeah thank you yeah good thanks, thanks guys a million pun songs <laughs> <laughs> By Dom Lenoir. Just every guy. Just like every guy. <laughs> no one knows those songs. They're so, like, no, niche. They're so niche. Those... Everyone's like, was that? I take that pun. There's hundreds, by the way. You've just taken the lyrics. So every time Dom, Dom speaks, it's bound to be a pun. Cause it's... Yeah. 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 Oh, I'd like to state that uh, Koki did very kindly share the cake with me. After mm. diagnosing the cake with much enthusiasm, I was offered yeah. the cake and, and felt like I'd be a bit rude to deprive her of, of said cake with my <laughs> over-enthusiasm. Over she, over enthusiasm. She offered it, offered but at, it at the end of you. it, she just broke it in half and gave it to me because she knew. She knew she knew what I was after. Uh, yeah, so, so I was very happy with that. Thank you, Cookie. Yeah. You should it was be. a lovely cake as well, thanks to so, 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 Hotel. A million crumb songs were all over the floor. Crumb believable. Dom is back for good. Ladies and gentlemen... <laughs> <laughs> right, so Dom, what I'd like to do now is don't say goodbye. Oh, I <laughs> No one knows that. It's a very niche. Take that song. I've joined your world. Yeah. Right, yeah. Uh, go out there, make Never films. Never forget. Never forget. <laughs> go out there, relight my fire, and go make your films. Make it happen this week for you. Um, big, 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 big love, love. <laughs> 
Until Tuesday when we have the Transformers special. Part two. With Stephen Capel Jr. Uh, and the wonderful actors who are Anthony Ramos and Dominique Fishback. And get ready for a really cool photo we have of them that we're going to put on our socials. For now, though, take care. Take that. And take care. <laughs> Bye-bye. Lost, lost your own joke there. I have to. <laughs> Someone has to. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say goodbye. Right. Bye. Okay, bye, Dom. Mm. <laughs> you eating cake? No, I was having a drink. Huh.